Hello and welcome to I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting. My name is Jamie and I'm going to be your guide, taking you through every single thing I wish I knew about songwriting before I started in this game. <laughs> 10 tools that every songwriter needs in 2024. It's almost been a tradition on this podcast that we try and forecast what people might well need but I wanted to go back to the classics. I want to go back to the things that I talk about every week, whether it's something I mentally note to myself when I'm discovering new music that I love, when I'm working with clients, and when I'm even thinking about what I can put out into the world that's helpful for people like you. Songwriters. I know some of you are aspiring, some of you are already working in the industry, and some of you are just simply interested but whether you're in your car right now, because I know a lot of you guys listen while you drive, whether you're running, what I really want to do is knuckle down to what's practical. As I said, really, my goal for 2024, my goal for any podcast that I record is that you pause it and you go and do something for your songwriting, for your career. So I'm going to go through kind of 10 of my favorite tools, 10 of the most reoccurring, as I said. Because they're the most practical, they're the things that really come to mind when I hear people's music. Again, whether that's professional people that are in the industry or it's people who are getting started and I'm working with them. I love all of it. But something that ties it together is these tools. So I'm going to go through 10. But before I do that, we have to talk about a song today. So today's song of the day came from a very bold claim from Alex who is in the Inkscape studio so I got to I got to go on to their show which is awesome so they were kind enough to come on and chat to us and then we had such a good conversation I think that we knew even beforehand that we wanted to return the favor and go and talk on their show so at the end they have this wonderful segment where they just share music that they love or things that they love and Alex came in with this massive statement he says this might be the best song ever written and I could see it in the kind of the way his face kind of lit up and his body language and the energy I got even over the internet I was like hell yeah I love that kind of claim one I've made before on this show which still to this day uh, a Jay Rents song on his EP Appa Pro in fact the whole thing it's art it's art it's one of my favorite pieces of work ever so back to this big claim he said White Horse by Chris Stapleton is possibly the greatest song ever written and very recently, Stu Neal had reached out to me and said, hey, Jamie, you need to listen to this song called The Bottom. And I've already done a song of the week on The Bottom, and it was f- it's just a fantastic song. Even listening to it now, I kind of a little bit more later on, you know, the drugs that we've used enough, used a few times, which, which is our songs, you know, when we listen to something so many times, they can dull, but even The Bottom is still fantastic when you hear the art of it. So then I thought, okay, really? Can there be better on this album than The Bottom? I'm going to let you guys decide, but check out the song White Horse by Chris Stapleton. And I'm used to him being a very conscious, to the point, tangible writer. And my favorite song of his is called Fire Away, which is this gorgeous conversation about a relationship and the dance and the fight that happens and the vulnerability. And Chris is just, you know, I wish I knew him. I'm using his name like I know him. But Chris comes up on this show a lot. As you know, the early days with Callum, up, right up until now, kind of coming, coming into 2024, it's still relevant. This is songwriting that is still relevant. It might be encased in cowboy hats. And even in this song, you know, it's white horse about the idea of a cowboy, but 
it might all be encased in cowboy hats and CMA awards and Justin Timberlake features and all of these gorgeous things that Chris does, but you cannot get away from the truth of what he writes. And I even remember him being interviewed years and years ago about his songwriting ability, his creativity. And he just said, it's an affliction. And that is to this day, my favorite description of what it is to be creative, what it is to be sensitive, because it's such a, such a harsh bite that can't come back in us as creators to sensitive people as those that are different. But we have this privilege, this access to something that is gorgeous and that can help other people by expressing our own emotions. So let's get into the song White Horse, because a lot of tools to get through today. This may well be something you sit on a long drive with, because I really want to get into these things as much as time allows today. So the opening line, again, you might think... Nashville payoff. I'm going to talk about the Nashville payoff later on, but this is a classic case of that. You might think this is kind of what you've heard before. The first lyric is, This love's getting kind of dangerous. Feels like it's a loaded gun. That is not note perfect as to what he sung, but to me, having heard a lot of country songs and a lot of Chris's work, I thought, oh, is this just going to be a kind of another phoning it in, not sure where this is going? Next lines. My mind is turning like a cloud of dust. My heart always wants to run. So my mind is turning like a cloud of dust. Let's get into that because that's gorgeous. And quickly he's establishing what? Spaghetti Western. American country. Dusty cowboy rides. If you played Red Dead Redemption like me, you know this world inside out. And even before that, you know, as a kid I was obsessed with 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 westerns i just i just loved that kind of solitude and survivalism and working with people and particularly when they were honest with with the native story and, and incorporated some of that so just to me those open wide open planes of opportunity that's what is painted in my mind and him saying my mind is turning like a cloud of dust it's that is lyrical deep diving right it's it's that's also a tool today we're going to be talking about that but it's imagery as well even more simply that's what lyrical deep diving really is at that core it's him Giving this simile is my mind is like a cloud of dust. And I always learned, it took me a long time to learn, but metaphor is saying something is, simile is something is like. So if that's the first time you've heard that, awesome. If it's not, I apologize. But that was something I found very difficult when I was um, coming up. Such a good line. And then my heart always wants to run. That's when I was in. So, okay, cool. Because I feel that in my life, you know, it's, I've always been someone that wanted to go to the next village, go to the next valley go to the next town go to the next country go to the next country again you know i've always pushed boundaries i've always wanted to be kind of untethered but they had this real homing beacon for love for connection for people and those of you that know me would, would see that as a just a manifestation of what my life is at the moment but that's when i was in that's when he found the shared experience with me shared experience is not on today's list but it's such an important one how do you write something that's so meaningful to you that it's so easy to empathize for someone else how do you write something clear and simple but it's a shared experience it's called you know called filling a glass that's what john mayer talked about on a zane low interview we talked about that before on the show but how do you fill a glass how do you talk about your personal experience of drinking a glass of water in such a way that actually the whole world can listen in as one person and experience that with you so that was it that's just the first i mean it's four lines this verse it's incredibly, it's written by Dan Wilson. I found this out as well. Dan Wilson's a fantastic songwriter, but he wrote this with Chris and it's really economical. It was written in the article that I read that it's a very 
economical song lyrically. And you can see it. You got four lines. You got a chorus. And the pre-chorus is oh, that's it. It's awesome. This hook had me knocked over. As I said, when Alex said this is the greatest song ever, da, 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 I heard the first four lines, and in the pre-chorus, I was like, okay. And it's it's written like a live song, recorded like a live song with a kind of build up and a fantastic live performance as well. If you get a chance to see his band, they're amazing, as he is. But this is it. I had five lines and one of them was, oh, I was like, really? Is this the, this is the song? This is the big one, is it? And I've got a lot of time for Alex and I appreciate him. So he will know where this is going. But the hook. Like, if you want a cowboy on a white horse, riding out into the sunset, if that's the kind of love you want to wait for, hold on tight, girl, I ain't there yet. No, I ain't there yet. See, with just if you, this is the first time you've heard, heard it, just ignore what I sung. But that was more for a kind of exhibition of the experience. It's, I wanted to sing that. I don't normally sing on the podcast because I don't want to. But this is a song where I just had it behind me, you know, like like kind of galloping in me. If I want to be really cheesy, but let's look at the lyrics before we even talk about anything melodic. If you want a cowboy on a white horse, so there we go. That's the payoff, not only of the chorus. It's interesting. Normally, you'd, the classic Ralph Murphy would be having at the end of your chorus. But if you want a cowboy on a white horse, there we go. Titles paid off. But equally, even in those four lines before, this love's getting kind of dangerous. Feels like a loaded gun, a cloud of dust, wants to run. Again, that imagery has been bedded in without you almost realizing that we're setting up for a classic cowboy riding off into the sunset. And even for me, like hands up, hearing this song, I was like, oh, that is so good. That is so good. It, it would be so easy to get this song wrong. It'd be so easy to make it sound crap. But because of just, I mean, Chris Stapleton's band, again, his tone, his aesthetic, what we know of him, his integrity, his honesty, his live performance. That's what makes this also relevant. If you've, ever, if you've never heard him before, fine, you'll get all that as well. But I just think it strengthens an artist. This is something for you guys to think about, like as artists, as writers, like what do people know about you already that you can use to strengthen your songs? And in my head, I literally have the classic cowboy on a horse riding off into the sunset. It's that night riding off at the end of the film. And um, it's just one of these things whereby, again, that shared experience, that kind of empathetic wanting to add to what you hear again, John Mayer talking about is like when people hear some of his music, they want to tell him stories. It's like when you say something to someone in a conversation and it makes them want to tell a story, they're not necessarily ignoring you. They're wanting to add because they want to show that they have that experience too. That's what music is about. And this is gorgeous imagery riding off into the sunset. And if that's the kind of love you want to wait for, hold on tight, girl. I ain't there yet. And I could leave it there. I think I will actually, because there's a lot of tools to get into today. And I want you guys to check the song out. But the last thing I would say is... I hadn't done any research on the song at that point. I just trusted Alex and I pressed play. Similar to Stu, I just pressed, pressed play, which takes a lot these days. It might sound like something simple and something obvious. I don't listen to that much new music often because I really want to enjoy it. I really want to have an occasion. I want to have a journey, a trip or a workout or something to go with it. I don't just playlist. I find that really hard. But when I heard this song, I got it. I feel like it did that thing of... Ooh, versus, okay, I've got it. 
And I might have to add that as a tool today as a kind of extra. I've thought of a few extras, but we're going to go through on the tools as we go through them. I might add or take a few away. Who cares? I do what I want. But this song entered through the back of my head. And I say that for those of you that are new to the show, more like subconsciously it got to me. Emotionally it reached me first before I really understood what was happening because this idea of, of cliche conversion of what we already know about Cowboys and Sunsets is what you play off. Cliches are not to be avoided. And I might have been guilty of coaching people or talking to people and thinking that cliches are bad. It's like, no, cliches are an indicator. They're a perfect kind of flag in the sand as to where we want to go or they're making use of what we already know and what is then in the shared consciousness of human beings and making that a strength of your song it's just it's fantastic so again quickly my experience was hearing that you know if you want a cowboy on a white horse even white horse if you listen to the record there's a prosody which is the unity and deliberate pairing of things of the band going dan dan if you want a cowboy on a white horse riding down into the sunset happens again on sunset that's the kind of love you want to wait for i remember doing this in a band in maggie cassidy years and years ago where we had the drummer following what i was singing and it's such a simple thing but it feels so good to sing like that it feels like it's the double stops with the whole band as the same thing it's just that wink to the crowd to the listener like we know you're listening which is you, you can't get better than that sometimes and it's just executed perfectly with his band and him and i and just check out i could, I could talk about chris stapleton again at length but i don't know if i will today and the final line did this kind of love you want to wait for hold on tight girl i ain't there yet to me, again, as a wandering soul, as a traveler, as someone whose family has always had movement in their blood, that's how I am. It's hard to tie me down. And not in like a cool way. It's just, it is quite difficult sometimes for me to sit down for long periods of time. But when it came to, to where I am in my life right now, what, you know, I'm in a different country. I'm with a partner I've, you know, I'd never met before the age of 24. Like none of this was in my thoughts as to what I wanted to do, but I let the wind kind of take me there and now I'm trying to kind of double down on that and not just be a passenger but it takes time to really realize okay I'm here I am building this and I want this and then putting things in place and that took me a long time takes me a long time it's hard so this song in that many lines right I could talk about this even longer because he's just hit that shared experience that gorgeous entry to the shared experience of love and consciousness and attachment and there's only so many emotions that we have, right? But they can be they can be pushed and turned and twisted into so many different combinations of gorgeous human experience. So I read it again. This love is getting kind of dangerous. Feels like a loaded gun. My mind is turning like a cloud of dust. My heart always wants to run. If you want a cowboy on a white horse riding off into the sunset, if that's the kind of love you want to wait for, hold on tight, girl. I ain't there yet those words that reaction i'll leave the rest with you check out the song white horse by chris stapleton from his new record higher let us get into the meat and potatoes of this episode which is tools and do you know what right now i'm just going to add one at the end because it's a classic it's a fantastic one and you've heard ooh versus okay i've got it so i'm not going to do that as a 10 tool however remember it because it's fantastic as well so i'm just going to go for the ones that i think come up most often i'm going to speak to you as though you're new to the show so if you're listening to this and you've already heard these tools remember them 
This is the difference between people that make it to where they feel themselves to be successful. I'm not going to add an external factor. There's enough of that shit these days. But where you feel you are successful, the people that not only know what to do, but do it consistently. And I'm, of course, speaking to myself. And I also need to be aware of these. That's probably why I'm drawn to explaining them again, even in short. Because I want to make sure going into this Los Angeles trip, going into these sessions I've got in January, going to all these wonderful clients that are popping up in different ways, some of them in Los Angeles, which is hilarious. Two people I know that are I'm going to be working with that are literally blocks away from where I stayed. So it's about me not getting carried away, not wanting to ride off into the sunset too quickly and going with the basics. So let's go for it. Here we go. Take a breath. Let's do it. Number one, inspiration meter. Again, if you're driving right now and you've got a water bottle, or if you are in a kitchen and you can see a container, you can see a bin, anything that can hold water, I want you to look at it and imagine that it's you. And I want you to give it, give it a rating, if you will. How full is it? Half full, quarter full. Is there a hole in the bottom and it's completely empty? Or are you overflowing with ideas that actually you need to start writing before you start losing things that may well be valuable? The inspiration meter is almost like a well. This is how I think about it. This is how I think about it practically. And the reason I say practically is because it's not just some analogy. You can't measure in the same way. It's often easier to look at a water bottle, a bin, other things, or imagine a well. But your creativity comes from an accumulation of connections something you've enjoyed looking at an experience what something someone said to you something that you've seen something that you've read an experience that you felt that's maybe come round again or seeing someone again or meeting someone new doing something new all of these i believe collect in our consciousness sub or you know accessible consciousness And very often the pressure of feeling, as Gabor Mate says, is such that you have to start thinking about it, you have to start explaining it before it starts to do damage internally. So those are the extremes. But very simply, the inspiration meter is a well from which you draw the energy, the inspiration, the ideas, whatever you want to call it in any language, to write your songs. There's a certain amount that you need and it can fill quickly, it can empty quickly. The whole point of this podcast is that you are ready to write songs whenever you need to. That's what I'm trying to learn. That's what I've been doing. That's what I help people with now more and more. I can write a song in a certain amount of time and I know I'm going to get there to a certain level. But that's because I take care of my inspiration meter. How do we do that practically? Read books, watch films, go for a walk. Talk a little bit about that later and how our brains work in creativity and those kind of two spheres of creativity if you will we go for a walk and again travel is is a it's a strange one i always say i spend a lot of money on travel like i'm i'm not rich and people may well think that which is quite funny to me especially in music but i spend a lot of money on travel that's where i put my investment to be out of the house to be out of the country to be with other people meeting other people and without going on too much of a tangent which i'll touch on right at the end about building connections and relationships that can often be the most inspiring thing and filling for your meter but even for me i have i have a huge love of 
what you could call mentoring or believing in the process of mentoring. So I will jump on if I'm feeling not very inspired. And I covered this quite recently, right? But at the same time, if I'm not feeling inspired, I'll get on and listen to in terms of music or interviews, or if, if I'm lucky enough, get on and speak to people that inspire me, people that have been a huge part of what's driven me to be creative, what's driven to me to different things. The inspiration meter is something that I can cover again, possibly another time, but I'm, I'm wary that I want to get through the rest of these nine in a concise way. Number two, creative and the critic. I found this because of Marty and Clay at Songtown. Songtown is fantastic. If you don't know Songtown, go and check it out. There's incredible free resources, lots of incredible free resources. But the creative and the critic is essentially what I was alluding to earlier, the two parts of your brain. Just imagine that one is literally responsible for creativity. The other one is literally responsible for, I would say critic, you hear the editor. The editor is a wonderful way of saying it as well. Creative and the critic is easier to remember, perhaps, but the editor. So very simply, I've talked about this a lot, but if you want to picture a blank wall and a hippie comes in and on the floor, this hippie, your classic hippie, if I had more time, I'd explain it, but there's paints on the floor in paint buckets with brushes and on the wall, there's nothing. And the beauty here and also the difficulty is making sure that creative is on the room, is in the room on their own no distractions, no consideration of what might need to be changed, edited or criticised, just learning how to throw paint, just learning how to throw paint. You could leave it there and it could be as simple as that. But how do you create, first of all, inspiration meter, how do you have the energy to create? But then when you have the energy to create, how do you make sure that you're not wasting it? And it's this idea of creative funneling, which I, I cannot get into that today. It's essentially all of these tools in kind of sequence and and practically so something i talked about with the entitled sons last year when i was lucky enough to go and see their beautiful house which feels like a weird dream but it did happen it's going to happen again maybe by the time you hear this i'll be there but i left them with the idea of the creative funneling and the creative and the critic could be as simple as this is that when you create then there needs to be a stage in order to progress through the project of editing positive criticism if it's negative criticism or criticism just for the sake of it you stop the process negative can even kind of risk going back up the funnel pushing back on a, on a good idea and then ruining some of that creativity wasting it right but if you can create and then positively edit to then give yourself enough space to create again and positively edit you end after a, after a couple of cycles sometimes as few as two three you can have a wonderful song at the end of it right but that's not simple this understanding of how you interact with creative and the critic. And as I say, normally they are mutually exclusive, meaning they cannot be in the same room. Because when that critic comes in with his clipboard and his notes and his thoughts, if the creative is in the process of throwing paint and he's distracted, something is not quite right there. You know, the other one will feed from the work that's been done, whether that's critically, you need to also learn to be able to take criticism and turn it into something positively creative, right? either will benefit from the work of the other and a very simple way is take a sports car bugatti lamborghini anything you want fill it with incredibly expensive fuel that's your inspiration right you are the supercar you are the creative you are ready to go as fast as you can go write these incredible projects go and do these wonderful things collaborate with people right everything i talk about in the podcast but you left the handbrake on 
So that creative energy, that fuel is in the supercar and ready to go. You are the supercar. But if you are too critical of yourself at the wrong times or negatively critical or even not constructively critical fast enough, it's like leaving the handbrake on. Everyone else has shot off the race line and you're still there spinning your wheels, burning petrol, doing damage to your engine and your car, but not going anywhere. That is the frustration of having the wrong kind of criticism. Next tool. I can't dwell. I've done a whole episode and like hours and hours and hours on each of these, but I want to get through these three. This next tool, which is the third, I want to get through the rest of these tools. This is a cheeky one because I've kind of thrown three into this number three. Tool number three, the golden triad. Rhythm, melody, and lyrics. I want you to imagine very simply a triangle. At the top is rhythm. The bottom left is melody and the bottom right is lyrics. You use this however you want, but it can be a really cool awareness tool of when you're looking at a new section, when you're thinking about a new song, when you're writing a new song, maybe as a kind of, you know, what constitutes an album or an EP or anything. Think, in this verse, what am I focusing on? Okay, cool. Rhythm and lyrics. You pull the slider to the corner where rhythm and melody intersect. Sorry, rhythm and lyrics intersect in that case. For example, a rap verse, right? There's no melody, so it's not towards the middle. It's not a wonderful interaction of all three of the points. It's more towards two. But then for the next section, maybe if you want to bring people in, which we'll talk about later, you might drag that. Okay, okay I'm going to focus a little bit more. Obviously, there's still lyrics, right? Or not always. Even today's song, you know, the pre-chorus was just melismatic, which means no lyrics, but only vocal. Pull it towards melody. And then you might find you have the really melodic and very deep lyrical aspect, right? And you see how this works. You guys are clever, but draw a triangle, melody, lyrics, rhythm in each corner and think about it in your mind when you're writing like, oh, where do I want to pull this section? Where do I want to go with this section? So that's the golden triad. I've talked about that on a video as well on YouTube. You can check that out a little more in full. But the golden triad is fantastic. Again, for what? Awareness. Number four. Again, really careful here. Number four is melodic contrasting, also known as melodic maths. There's already a number of episodes on this. I talk about this nearly every single time I work with someone. Contrast could be the single word for all of these 10 tools. That could be all I leave you with. If I was to leave one word at the end of time, it would be contrast for songwriting. Okay, But melodic contrasting can be as simple as, as I talked about with the triad, rap in the verse, sung female, longer held note hook in the chorus. Why? Similar to the golden triad, right? This melodic contrasting is the verse is only, not only, but it's kind of lower male register rapping. So not much melody involved. So naturally, what would be the biggest contrast? Not only to have a big sung hook. When I say big, I mean higher, maybe an octave up. If you want to go crazy, that's the classics, you know, the 90s, 2000s. That's what worked. Not only do you have that octave higher, but then you extend the length of the notes, not kind of rapping short syllables, and you have a female singer. You're trying to get as far away as you can from where you started. But the beauty is, is that often tool number six Nashville payoff this verse is setting up the story and the chorus is paying it off but the contrast is what brings the beauty and also the contrast is what keeps people listening melodic contrasting number five 
lyrical deep diving. It's a bit of a workout for me. I'm trying to think, okay, how do I say some of the most integral tools to what I do every day in like three, four minutes? But let's do it. Lyrical deep diving. Very simply, if you can imagine you're looking at the ocean like a slice, so you can see the surface at the top and the depths of the sea trenches at the bottom of the vision. If you're looking at kind of like an A4 of your windscreen, you know, if you're driving, imagine the top of your windscreen is that surface and the bottom is the depths. One to five. The surface is one five is the bottom. I like to think that lyrics come in almost this kind of grading qualification. The surface, the top is what you would call cliche or surface level lyrics, something that's very obvious. Again, don't think that this isn't good. The point is using contrast to make this work. So number one would be the most surface lyrics. And number five, you can imagine, it's like the deep sea trenches where you have those, I'm afraid, very ugly fish that are maybe luminescent, you know, this where, where people don't really go. Unless you're very unlucky or you're Aquaman, you don't go down to level five. What does that mean in terms of lyrics, though? I think that's almost like beyond Shakespeare. I don't know if you guys sat through the same education as I did, but we had to get a very intelligent teacher to sit with us for between half an hour and 40 minutes to just explain one to two sentences of what Shakespeare was saying. All of that, is great. Do you think it's great to have too many of those lyrics in a two and a half minute pop song? Not always. Again, it's about that contrast. If you take number one being the surface right at the top of your screen, top of the ocean, number two, number three, I would say that most pop music, most music that's popular, I'm not using pop music negatively, would be sitting between surface and level three. So level one, level two, a bit deeper, level three is the kind of middle of the ocean. I would also say there's some fantastic artists like your Ben Howard's, City and Colour, even more kind of cryptic artists that would definitely go to level four. And of course, there are so many that go to level five. I'm just saying, if you want people to understand and come along with you and work on these couple more tools coming that will be relevant to this, you want people to come along with you during your song you probably want to give them a contrast. The same way that you do with your lyrics, your melody, your rhythms, your melodic contrasting. Give them that chance. Give them that chance to enjoy a surface lyric, maybe in the chorus, but then start with some depths, elicit some questions, ask oh, subways and skyscrapers. I haven't even got that on my list. There's so many that don't make it on the list, but it's the same principle, contrast. So lyrical deep diving. How do we do this? Very quickly. Again, a very simple example would be in the verses, go to level three, with some questions to try and set up the Nashville payoff to try and get some kind of elicited questions and then surface one in the chorus sorry so then when you come to the chorus after that kind of level three two or four if you want it really cryptic verse you come to the surface ones ones and twos in terms of the surface level for your chorus to give people that something they can sing back to you something they understand something they get that's it Number six, the Nashville payoff. I would say buy Ralph Murphy's book. He's no longer with us, so the estate will get the money. So I think that's a fantastic thing to do anyway, because he's given so much. I was lucky enough to see him speak. Didn't get to meet the legend. I saw him speak when I was younger. But probably the most integral thing is this, the Nashville payoff. Very simply, he puts it like this. In the first two lines of your song, not only do you want to pull people in but you want to establish and set up the story 
So where are they? What are they doing? Who? And create intrigue in the first two lines. This is hard. Very few people do this. And often it's a funny thing in sessions where people think that the first two lines are representative of how the rest of the song is to be written. Not true. But I really like to push people in these first two lines so it can feel like a lot of work. But once you get those done, the rest of the song flows. He says those first two lines are where you set up the song very simply. Either the first line, like with Whitehorse, or the end of your chorus. Even add a fifth line if your chorus is four lines or eight. Add that extra line and do the payoff of the title on the final line of the chorus. Very simply, that's the Nashville payoff. Set it up in the verse, pay it off at the end of the chorus or pay it off in the chorus. I would love to go into more. There is so much for each of these tools. However, we should go on to the next one. The Nashville payoff is absolutely integral and it is everywhere in pop. Forget country music where the word Nashville comes from. Music City, Guitar City, whatever you want to call it. It's not just in that. Taylor Swift graduated from the School of Country Music. John Mayer arguably touch more artistic but goes that way the 1975 talked about recently in their record how much country was influential to them there are so many other artists you know so many that come from that world and paul jason klein as well from la and why there's so many that came from that country world morgan wallen is the perfect example as well if you want to check out the national payoff is everywhere number seven listener bandwidth and the tightrope I've also got parentheses, emotional time. Because end of 2023, Emily and I were talking and we listened to these fantastic songs on Help Desk. And we came up with this idea of emotional time, referring to how long you feel like a song is. So bear that in mind when I talk about listener bandwidth and tightrope. What are they? Listener bandwidth is very much like your internet connection. How much bandwidth do you have? And this simply means if someone is listening to your song... If someone comes onto your tightrope, that's what that means. If someone's listening or streaming your song, I want you to imagine they're walking along your tightrope. They're taking the risk of listening to your music. Some of their time is being spent listening to your music. So they're up on your tightrope. And the genius here is that you want to play with the listener's bandwidth. You know, some music is very extreme and some people turn it off straight away. I love heavy music, right? That doesn't scare me at all. But for some people, we need to bear in mind, some people don't want that. So you've got to be careful about testing bandwidth sometimes with genre. But let's imagine they click on your song, get up on your tightrope and they start to walk because you're drawing them along with your lyrics. With all these things we talked about so far, you're drawing them along. But if you overload them with too much of the wrong thing at the wrong time, their bandwidth's going to be too full and they're going to fall off the tightrope, which just means switch song, stop listening, not going to come back. But equally, if you don't give them enough they might wonder, well, why am I here? I've heard this lyric six times. We've had no development in the production. We've had, I mean, production is huge, right? I don't talk about production a lot on this podcast, but it's everything. Instruments, everything to help people come along with you. You can't just rely on the vocal. But in this example, you want to imagine people are up on your tightrope. They are, I even think about like dropping breadcrumbs on the tightrope, which doesn't make sense in this analogy. Like, don't try that. It doesn't work. But that's the idea. You want to reward people as they go through your sections. That's what we do as songwriters. It is a drug at the end of the day. It's a, it's a kind of therapeutic aspects. So you want to give people something as they go and have them coming back again with your choruses or your other songs, your, your content. All these things have the same kind of dopamine trail. And to tie all that up, 
listener bandwidth and the tightrope right is awesome again emily's help desk end of last year the kind of new year's episode we heard a song that was six minutes we heard a song that was two and a half and both of them were fantastic and they felt the same length because despite one being faster kind of rocky and the other being very slow and beautifully done they both had the right timing and intrigue and bandwidth for their style of song and lyric and folk all these kinds of things that when you hear it you go wow okay i have no idea how long that was especially the six minute song emily and like that was six you're kidding that was six minutes because we were in it we were like tears the whole time like this is awesome so that can be the effect list of bandwidth and the tight rope parentheses emotional time number eight the hook test walking through a door frame very simply even when i went in to teach kids that were six or seven years old i remember having on the board for presentation was a hook like a fishing hook a classic one with a worm on the end of it and i had a picture of an ear and i guys what is this i said i asked them hey guys what is this an earworm they got it straight away. It's awesome because obviously there's an ear and a worm, right? It's not that hard. But them understanding that context of what is an earworm. Again, I have all these theories. I have a whole list of what I think is a hook, what I think constitutes a hook, right? But for me, you need something practical. This is what the hook test is and why it's called walking through a doorframe. I heard Ross Golan on And The Writer Is talk about this beautifully. And even friends of mine as well, they talk about taking a tactical piss, as we say in the UK, He's actually Maltese, which is funny. But that's when you go for a pee, because you have to, you're human. But during that time, this effect happens. So the hook test is a way of you, often I know a lot of you guys write songs on your own. That's the way it goes. We've got to be good songwriters to be able to create and criticize ourselves, have our own inspiration, do our own melodic contrasting. But when we work in pairs, it's easier. But I truly recommend that understanding all these things on your own is a great way to do it. So let's imagine you're sitting down, you're writing a song, you've got a verse, you've got a pre, you've got a chorus, so like four or five different sections, ABC songwriting like we talk about. Again, not on this list. Maybe it, maybe it should be. How do you know if any of this is good? And how do you know if your chorus is hooky? Because when you're in something, it's very hard to get perspective on it. We know that in relationships, we know that in songwriting, it's just the way we are. We attenuate we adjust that's the way that we've worked the way i do it is this literally write something when you think you're happy with it it feels good go out the door go for a walk if you've got time even doing the dishes this is something i did to clients early on which i can't believe i did this but it's kind of funny to experiment with people is when they're stuck i'd say hey just um go and get a drink of water i wouldn't tell them i was doing this don't get a drink of water or oh like you know, just walk through the kitchen, go outside, take a breath. And I tell you the amount of clients that just come rushing back in and go, I've got it. Or, you know, that's a great way to actually access a different part of your brain, which I won't talk about. Andrew Huberman talks about that beautifully. You know, when you're not directly focusing on something, spotlight focus, then your brain can go into that kind of connective, creative aspect of coming up with new ideas and connections, right? But just this one, you write a chorus, not sure if you like it, go out the door, within two or three minutes, come back are you singing it? Is it stuck in your head? Sometimes things stick because you sung them 500 times. However, if you just, if it's fresh to you and if it's still working, or I heard a song today, which I was going to help with, but 
the chorus is fantastic it stuck with me i did the same yesterday for mira did a couple bit some feedback on some of her tunes and the last song stuck with me that is the hook test that's walking through a door frame and again the way that works is based on the premise of us being focused on something but then needing to step back look at the horizon go for a walk look out the window take a breath go to the toilet once we're not looking at the thing often our brain will go click either give us a new idea and perspective on what we're struggling with or go i'm gonna bring this thing back i liked it it worked i'm gonna bring this thing back i liked it it worked that's the hook number nine the 4d singer the 4d singer is something i think is underrated something i think i take for granted i've been singing my whole life as a result of heartbreak and chronic anxiety but it's a gift if you practice it enough right but when i hear singers i think of four things what note are they singing what's the lyric because the lyric is so important as to the sound that we make with our mouths so it's very much a singing thing what is the lyric the sound max martin it's everywhere then there's the rhythm and the fourth dimension of singing is a performance so when i hear someone singing the right note with the great lyric and a great rhythm but they're not putting a performance aspect into it they're not putting heart and emotion into it it doesn't get me let's take chris stapleton for example the note nailed obviously has a lot of help with production and tuning but doesn't need it let's be real the lyric fantastic and delivery of that lyric fantastic the rhythm again always thought about and very often misunderstood but with chris nails the rhythms and the performance is it's beyond there's one of him and actually if you get all four of these right it unlocks what i like to call the fifth element if you guys have watched that film i highly recommend it tone that's not even a great way to explain it because again when chris Ableton's writing songs and even when his wife sings harmonies what you get is this fantastic union of everything but mainly it's performance whereby they've written a particular note at a particular pitch and key so that when he sings it or when it is sung by anyone it gives the most emotion possible this very often comes from what are called kind of breaks in range or the bridge of your vocals where you go from kind of chest resonation through to kind of you know falsetto is the extreme uh, chest is the lower and then you have like head mix but very often when there are breaks in your range there's natural breaks in everyone's range that's why it sounds good but if you can find a chorus for example that starts on the note where your voice is sort of between breaks or when chris is kind of growling or i mean, I, I love heavy music so even people scream you know that's a huge which is why not necessarily not the not the note it's more the performance those songs sound awesome when you can start a chorus on the note that you know in your range has the most emotion boom used to do this in the band i used to think oh okay cool we've written it we like it but where in my voice does it sound best where does it sound most painful even the verses like you know can i lower the verse to make it sound even more emotional or can i sing this pre in a certain way that sounds breathy and uncertain and you know all these things that's what that's what we do as musicians so 4d singer with the fifth element again is note lyric rhythm and performance the fifth element is your kind of tone but deliberately writing things in your breaks in your range Ooh. number 10 we've arrived we have 
arrived. This is a two-parter. I think we've talked about prosody without ever talking about prosody. I might have said it earlier. But what prosody is, is very simply, everything in a song is there for a purpose. And a gorgeous way of thinking about it is like with art or a statue is that every single mark, brush stroke and colour is there deliberately. There's nothing that's there, despite its appearance, there's nothing that's there that is, is not needed to create the art. So that's why when you hear songs like Whitehorse, again, when you hear the double stops, the band stopping at the same time that Chris is making a da-da with his vocal, like, white horse, wait for... When those things are happening, that's prosody. Everything is designed to not have any spare parts. So they're unifying. Prosody is the unity is a simple way of doing it. I'm more practically for you, just think about, okay, I've written a song that I like. I like the lyrics. I like, I've done all these tests. I've taken care of all these things. And actually... No, that's the second part. I'll go there in a minute. Don't become too obsessed with these things, okay? Because then you lose the love of it. Unless you're going for the you know, the 10,000 hours plus where suddenly there's a mastery of your ability to connect all these simple things in a fantastic way and it looks like magic to other people. You know, that's where we all want to go too. But with prosody, very simply, is where in my song could I put even one thing? Maybe it's rhythmic. Maybe it's a lyric. Maybe it's a production element that sounds the same as the lyric that you're singing or... If you've chosen a particular word that might well be of a certain country or a certain culture, can you bring in music from that country, from that culture, just to show people again, like a little wink to the listener that I know you're listening, I know you know what I'm doing here. That's the fun bit. And that brings me on to the final kind of part of this whole thing. Enjoy it. Life is short. There is truly no better feeling than walking into a room particularly with all the stuff i'm picturing sessions in my head that i won't talk about but particularly certain artists i've worked with that you go in and you have no idea what will come out at the end of that session and you think of the beauty that was created in that room and the fun that was had and the laughs and like having a tea or making a particular joke or it it can get heavy after that because then it kind of goes maybe more towards the business or the song doesn't come out or all these different things that happen as songwriters and i want to talk about that one day as well but enjoying it what we have are these experiences and memories. We don't take anything with us. So it's about finding a way to do all these tools because I promise you they'll help you and I promise you they're hard and I promise you they're specific and there's so many great ways to implement them. But if you don't enjoy it, you've missed the point. If you really don't enjoy it, you have truly missed the point. And this is me saying it to myself. I'm about to embark on another big year of different things with different people. And there's projects that I don't even know are coming up that will come up that will appear. I find myself in lots of different situations doing lots of different things and I'll be using these tools. But hopefully, if I'm smart enough, I'll remember this one. Enjoy it. Life is short. So that was 10 tools for 2024. So 10 tools every songwriter needs in 2024. I went through that pretty quick. I think I missed a couple of big ones because there's so many great things. But really... I'm not going to pretend that this is more complicated than contrast. Everything we've talked about, you know, maybe apart from the inspiration meter, but there's always ways to argue that. Like life is just extremes with everything in the middle. Life in the middle. 
life is in the middle that's what my brain is trying to say is there's extremes and life is in the middle there's extremes of songwriting but the craft is in the middle the balance of all of it and all of this is contrast contrasting between what you've had and what's coming up what people are anticipating what you deliver you know all these different things can be argued very simply extremes and the balance in the middle i leave you one last thing the kind of closing tip, the practical push. If we look at the framework of luck and the six, and again, if you're new to this, luck to me is actually preparation meeting opportunity. And really it's preparation meeting relationships that you're nurturing, creating and building. And the subdivision of that opportunity is your relationships in a digital, professional, personal sense. And then the breakdown of what preparation is, is practice, proof and pressure. And these are all in cycles that kind of fall back and work within themselves. But the other side is called the six. And that's every single day. If you can, focusing on a meaningful interaction with the following. Sleep, sunlight, movement, mindfulness, diet and relationships. And what you notice is relationships pops up on both sides. It's integral. Because it's hard to measure, it's hard to sell because it's hard to measure it's hard to post about but these are very very important things so my challenge is build a connection today if that is adding to what you already have with someone getting on a call with someone you work with or if you're listening to this and you've not done any co-writing you might be in a different country like me and you only have your kind of digital outreach for now until you can get there do it send the email send the message send the letter shoot a nice loom complimenting someone on something you genuinely care about you might well start a cool relationship and i'm only really now after like a good four years of really trying to work on this i'm only really now starting to see the fruit been a lot of pain a lot of expensive trips a lot of different things but I've constantly invested in relationships, constantly invested in building connections. Of course, I've got it wrong probably four or five times that really stick with me and really hurt to this day. So that is also part of the risk, but the life that I've been able to have and the life that I'm currently building because of people like you listening is one I can't describe. And I will try, but I'll never get there. So what I'm saying is you can spend all this time writing songs and I did. And I'm glad you have to, you have to get good at songwriting. You have to work on your craft, the way you want to do it, your stamp. But none of it is going to do anything for you in your career until people know that you do it. And you've created opportunities for yourself, built relationships and started connecting with people. I've not used the word networking because I don't think it's the right way. It's a bit too transactional. But finish this podcast or hopefully, again, any podcast that you listen to, just fucking pause it and go do something good for your career as a songwriter so go out there be brave because most people are either on their phones or looking at other people as to why they don't have a good enough life so they're looking up and hurting their neck because they're looking up all the time at other people doing well they're looking down at their phones which is very often looking at people who are doing better than them so there's so many opportunities to be had and there's a real craft to it i want to talk a bit more about that this year and also actively more with my clients as opposed to just the craft and the technique. So that's it. 10 tools that every songwriter needs for 2024. Please enjoy yourselves. Please look after yourselves because a career in music is absolutely brutal. But if you can last, if you can find your place and if you can decide what would be successful in your eyes, 
you will be fine. If it's all something you can control, you'll never feel helpless. If it's all things that you can measure for yourself and go after in a way that's creative, consistent and efficient and sustainable for yourself, then do it. If everything's in your control, then you can achieve it. All right, that's it. This will be fun if you let it be fun. I'm telling myself that about to embark on a trip, UK, Los Angeles, then on a holiday, which will also be working with some of you wonderful people while I'm there. And who knows what happens after March 2024, but it's going to be a lot of different stuff, which is great. All that's to say, thank you for listening. Thank you for changing my life, helping me change my own life, in fact. Ah, goodbye. Good luck. The episode might well be over for this week, but you can still do so much for your songwriting right now. If you want to send in a song for submission, for us to review or ask us a question or just say hello and get in touch, you can send us an email. I wish I knew that pod at gmail.com. We'll get right back to you with whatever you need. If you would like to join the Discord, then in this very show, in the links below, you can do that. Why not bring some friends? Why not tell people about what we are doing so this can be even richer for you and your collaborators? If you want to get in touch with us on Instagram, I wish I knew that pod. And if you really want to help the show out, if you feel like you want to contribute more than just your precious time, there are some incredible resources that I've vetted, picked, approved for you. And if you use the links below to purchase them, it will help this show out massively and keep us going and keep us finding people like you all over the world. And of course, if you want to book a call with me, you can do so. I am there. You can go to my website, jamiecarlcoop.com or check out the link. I'm there for your questions, your projects. If you want to talk theory, if you want to talk about relationships, if you want to talk about anything, I am there for you. Look forward to meeting you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And wherever you are, I wish you all the best with your songwriting. I'll speak at you very soon.